I want to talk with you this morning about something that I was reading and, and I just had a question for the Lord. Because sometimes I, I read scripture and I just, I get confused why God would do what he would do. So Judges chapter 16 and verse 21 it says this, this is the story of Samson just to give you context and and a lot of us are familiar with the story, but I like to read a lot of scripture today dealing with Samson. And it says in verse 21, Then the Philistines seized him, seized Samson, gouged his eyes out, took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they sent him to grinding grain in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to celebrate, saying, Our god has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And when the people saw him, they praised their god, Dagon, saying, Our god has delivered our enemy, Samson, into our hands, the one who has laid waste of our land and multiplied our sin, our slain. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. And so they called Samson out of prison, and he performed for them. And when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. And now the temple was crowded with men and women, and all the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. And then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Samson is a complicated story when you start looking at the details of his life. Samson was called to be a judge, a leader, to help Israel. Because what happened was Israel was always going and leaving God. And this is how the story starts in Judges 13. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. 40 years they were under the rule and under the torture of the Philistines. And then a certain man, Zorah, named Manoah, from the clan of the Danites, had a wife who's childless, unable to give birth. And the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see that it that you drink no wine or any other fermented drink, and that you do nothing unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor, because the boy will be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb, and he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hand of the Philistines. The Philistines. So here's this mother who can't have any kids, and God comes to her. And says, listen, you're going to have a child, but I want you to dedicate him to me. Don't drink any wine. Don't have anything. And when he's born, never let his hair be cut. Never let his hair be cut. And he's going to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. 
This was such a big moment that Manoah, because he didn't hear this, he goes back and asks, can you please come back and repeat what you said? And he comes and the angel comes back and tells Manoah the exact same thing, that Samson has been set apart to save God's people. But the people will continue to always want to do evil and walk away from God. And yet God's compassion never fails. This just amazes me that Israel is so, so easily led astray from God. And yet God sees them and he sees his people and he has compassion that he is going to raise up this guy named Samson to deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. But Samson wasn't perfect. Samson wasn't like this great role model that we should live our lives after because he had some issues. In the next chapter, chapter 14, verse 3, it says this, His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among your people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She is right for me. You see, Samson was attracted to this lady, this Philistine, the enemy of God's people, the people that are actually putting them in slavery and in captivity and destroying their crops and making hardships for them. Samson falls in love with the uncircumcised Philistine. Now, that seems kind of weird, but in today's context, you're like, okay, that's kind of a weird way to insult your enemies. But circumcision was not only meant just as a, it says something to do because God said it, but it was a sign that you are an Israelite. You are different, that you've been set apart by God as his people. So circumcision was a big deal. And here Samson is so eager to leave his own people, and he finds this woman, and he says, get her for me. She is right for me. This is what I love, though. This is in parentheses so that you kind of know this is behind the scenes. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines for a time they were ruling over Israel. You know, sometimes we make bad choices. Sometimes we do things that we don't understand. Sometimes we do things innocently that just end up with bad consequences. Sometimes we, we wander down paths and we don't know what's going on. Don't be so quick to judge because God may be doing something behind the scenes that you don't know about. You have to trust that God loves you, that he's watching over you. And even though your life isn't perfect, and Samson was definitely not perfect, God is still in control. I was just telling my kids about the book of Esther. You know, it's one of the, the books of the Bible that doesn't mention the name God in it. The book of Esther, we know the story where, where Nahum was going uh, to get rid of all the Israelites and he was going to wipe them all out, and Esther was, you know, this new queen. God is never mentioned in that book, but yet God is working behind the scenes protecting his people. So just because you don't see God on the surface of the story that you're going through right now does not mean that God isn't working. He's there. He's with you. And if you are following him, if you are pursuing him, he is not going to abandon you. So just stay with the story. But Samson wasn't perfect, and he did something that was not right. He went outside of his family, outside of his people, and he wanted this this woman. So he, so he convinces his parents to go down and to go see her. So on the way they're going, Samson and his parents get separated. And all of a sudden, this lion comes out and attacks Samson. And Samson just rips it apart. Why? Because the, the Spirit of God came upon Samson and ripped this lion apart. And uh, once he got done ripping it up, he saw that it was wearing a Detroit Lions t-shirt. So it wasn't that big a deal. No, it was a lion. It was a lion. 
And, and Samson rips this thing apart. But he didn't tell his parents. Because how do you tell your parents, something came over me and I ripped the lion apart, you know? And so it was just something he kind of tucked aside. And so they go down to, to this area and they go and they meet this woman. And, and so he says, okay, this is what I want. I want this woman. And, um, and so he goes there and he decides to marry her. And they go home. A while later, they come back to actually perform the marriage, and it's like a seven-day cycle thing, you know. You know, I, my, my nieces are getting married this, this, uh, this year to both of them, you know, same family, both of them. And uh, I'm glad it's not seven days, man. You know, I'm just, one day, let's go home, you know. Um, but it was a seven-day process, so Samson and his family are going back to, to have the marriage. And on the way back, Samson, again, separates from his parents, and he sees that carcass, that he, the lion that he killed. And inside of it, he notices that there's a, some bees and honeys in there. And Samson decides to get some honey. You know, because why? It's raw, it's unfiltered, it's organic, right? It's good stuff. So he grabs it, he starts eating it, and he goes back with his parents. His parents get there, they perform this wedding. And, and Samson says to the guests, Hey, if you can solve this riddle then I will give you 30 pairs of underwear and 30 suits to go with it. But if you don't get this riddle, you're going to have to give me 30 undergarments and 30 sets of clothes. So they said, all right, let's do this. All right, let's go for it. So he makes a bet. And he tells them this riddle. Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. And you know exactly what he's talking about because the lion had the bees nest in there and he got the honey. So out of the lion is this honey. And so he tells them, and they couldn't figure it out. So like, like around the fourth day, the, the guests finally go up to the wife, the new, the new bride, and said, listen, did you invite us just to steal from us? What's going on? You better find out that answer. You better tell us. If not, we're going to burn you and your father. Okay. <laughs> you know, so the dinner guests are not exactly you know, excited. So they go to her, they ask her, and finally she just starts, Samson, you love me. He's like, hey, I didn't even tell my parents the answer to the riddle. Why am I going to tell you? But she just kept nagging and nagging and nagging. Finally, on the last day, she says, he says, okay, okay, here's what it is. What's stronger than a lion? What's sweeter than honey? And she goes back and she tells the rulers and they come out and they say, okay, here, we got the answer. We got the answer. And they come out, and they give him the answer. And Samson, <laughs> Samson says, man, if you didn't mess with my woman, you would have never got that. So what does he do? He goes on to another town, kills 30 people, and takes their underwear and their clothes. And he gives it to the guests. And after that, he's mad, he's embarrassed, and he heads home again. Well, he decides to go back to his wife. And then he found out that they gave her away to someone that was at the wedding. So Samson's having a bad day. He got bamboozled by a nagging wife. He comes back, finds out that she's given to another man. So you know what he does? He says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to get revenge. So he goes out and he catches like all of these foxes. And he ties their tails together, lights them up, sends them in the field. And he burns up all of their fields, burns up all their grain, burns up their wine their winery, burns up their olive branches, burns everything up. And they find out who did this, Samson. So Samson, Samson's responsible. So you know what they did? They end up burning his wife and the father 
Anyways, they were so mad. Then Samson gets mad again. He gets mad again, and so he, he goes out and he, he terrorizes them, and he starts killing some more Philistines, and then he goes and he, he hides in a cave. And finally, finally they say, okay, listen, the Philistines are coming to Israel and says, we want him. And all of Israel realizes they're in trouble because the Philistines are bringing men, uh, their army, to t- take over and to destroy this area. But all they want is Samson. So 3,000 men from Judah gather and said, listen, they go to the cave where Samson's hiding. They said, listen, look, they want you. They don't want us. They want you. We don't want war. We don't want to do this. Just go. And Samson says, listen, as long as you promise me that you won't kill me, I'll go. And so they bind him up and he goes. And the Bible says that as they were going, the ropes just like disintegrated. And all of a sudden he finds a donkey's jawbone and he takes that bone and he kills a thousand men with that. A thousand men. The next chapter, he meets this prostitute named Delilah. Like I said, Samson doesn't make some good choices. He sees a prostitute, and the Bible's very clear. Chapter 16. One day, Samson went to Geza. When he saw a prostitute, he went in and spent the night with her. Her name was Delilah. She was some radio show that always had that little tag, you know. My wife says, don't you listen to that woman. She's evil, you know. Delilah. So he goes and finds Delilah. She's a prostitute. He spends the night with her. And he's there. And guess what? The rulers come and say, hey, find out the secret of his strength. So she goes, and she says, Samson, baby, what's your strength? And he's like, you know, if, if someone paints my uh, fingernails pink, I, you know, I lose all my strength. So she did. He wakes up. He goes, leaves. <sighs> Samson, Samson, tell me. She just kept asking him, asking him. And she just kept nagging him. Finally, finally, Delilah does the unthinkable. She finally persuades him kept nagging him. And this is what it says in 16, 17. Judges 16, verse 17. And so he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head because I'm a Nazarite dedicated to my God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me. And I would become as weak as any other man. And when Delilah saw that he told her everything, she sent word to the rulers, come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with silver in her, their hand and after putting him to sleep on her lap, he called, she called someone and he shaved his head. And they began to tie him up. And his strength left him. And then she called Samson. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and he thought, I will go out as before and shake myself free. This was probably one of the saddest things in the Bible. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. You see, he just... He didn't realize that all of a sudden all of his strength was gone. And so what happened was he falls asleep. They capture him. They shave his head. And then as we opened up, they gouged his eyes out and they were making sport of him, entertaining him. And the Bible said that his hair began to grow again. His hair began to grow again after it was shaved. And he prayed one more time, Lord, just let me have revenge on them. And God answered him, gave him the strength, pushed the pillars off, and killed the people. But it wasn't the hair. It wasn't the hair. Because if you read closely in the book of Judges, it says this, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him powerfully. Judges 14, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him powerfully. Judges 15, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. 
It was the Spirit of God. The hair represented obedience. The hair represented giving a, yourself to the Lord and you are separate. You are holy unto Him. That's what holiness means. When someone says, I want to be holy, it means that you're just set apart for Him. You're designated for Him. This is yours. It's like when our kids come home and we make buffalo wings. We serve the wings to all the family, but this bowl is holy unto God, unto Dad, right? This, bo this bowl is holy. They know, don't touch that bowl. It's set apart for Dad. You see, holiness is simply being set apart, and his hair represented that he was set apart for God. And it was the Spirit of God that gave him the ability. It was the Spirit of God that came upon him. And when he disobeyed, when he finally broke his vow to the Lord, the Spirit of God left him. And he didn't even know it. But here's the problem that I have with this story. Here is a man that asked God at the very end of his life to do something and God answered him. Here he is marrying women that aren't supposed to be the people that he interacts with, the enemy, sleeping with a prostitute, going out and killing people because he lost a bet, and yet God answered his prayer. Why? And this is why I say it's a very confusing story. I missed a part about the jawbone story on purpose, and I'm going to go back to that right now. Judges 15, verse 18 says this. This is after he got done destroying and killing a thousand people with the jawbone. It says this, because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, You've given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi, and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned, and he revived. So the spring is called En-Hakor, and it is still there in Lehi. Here is what is so important to know why God answers prayer. Because the Bible says that he, that it's called, this spring is called En-Hekor. It means this, the spring of one who is calling. The spring of one who is calling. You must understand what's happening here. Samson goes out, he has his great victory with the donkey's jawbone, and he's there, and now he's going to die because he's so thirsty he has no water. And the Bible says that God heard him, that he was calling out to God, and God made the waters open, the rock open, so the water could flow. I want you to know this, that God, He's not looking at you in the failures in your history and what you have and all the garbage that you can bring with Him. He is looking to you because He loves you. You may not be perfect. You may be even doing things that are completely wrong. And this is not justifying those things because sin is sin and He will deal with that. But He looks at you and He says, you know what, if you call to me, I will answer you. If you call to me, I will make it happen. And here is Samson at the rock needing God, and he calls out to him, he cries out to him, and he says, God, I need you, because if you don't come through, I am going to die in the hands of my enemy. And God himself opened the rock, and he made the water flow. God himself did that. It's called the spring of the one who's calling. God himself did that. I believe this, that God moves when his people call out to him. 
I believe this, that you may not be perfect. I may not be perfect. But if you love the Lord and you call out to him, he will answer you. And he doesn't need your resources. He doesn't need you to be by a river. He doesn't need you to have all the answers. He doesn't even need you to be perfect. But I say that understanding that God does not love sin. He'll deal with that. And in the end, his sin, Samson's sin, cost him his life. But God will move on your behalf. I do believe that. I do believe that when you call upon him, he moves. I believe this is the lesson that David learned when he said in Psalm 3, many are saying to me, God will not deliver him. Look at King David. King David is surrounded by people who want to kill him. Think about the history of Israel. Israel is a very small, tiny place, and it is surrounded by people that want to destroy them, want to kill them. And even David says, many of them say, God will not deliver him. But look at what David says in verse 3 of Psalm 3. But you, Lord, are my shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I cry out, I call out, I petition. I'm calling you, God. Jesus also teaches us the importance of prayer, how we call out to the Father. He says this in Matthew 6, Well, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I believe this. As we bring this to a close this morning, I believe this. I believe that when you call out to God, He'll answer you. I believe that when you cry out to Him, He'll answer you. And if you are in a desperate situation, just like Samson was, and you're there, and you say, Father, if you don't come through, God, if you don't come through, I am going to suffer. I want to tell you this. Just, this is just personal. There are times in my life where I pray this prayer, God, if you don't come through today, I'm done. Because I need you. I'm not quitting. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm just done. I'm going to walk over God. Saying that if you don't come through the day, God, everything's going to fall apart. Everything's going to go. I need you. And you know what happens? He always answers. Because see, he's watching. If you call upon the Lord, he'll answer you. Not because you're perfect, but because he loves you. And I challenge you, call upon the Lord. Call upon the Lord. Don't, don't let your history, your past, or your failures, or your, your thoughts interfere with how much God loves you. If he's willing to do this for a man who had some pretty immoral things in his life, how much more are those who are covered by the blood of Jesus? How much more are those who are saved and sanctified and justified by him? How much more will he move on our behalf? The great thing is we don't have to have sin in our life. All we have to do is ask for forgiveness and He'll forgive us. So I ask you, call upon the Lord. He'll make the water flow. He'll make the impossible happen because He's God. Amen?